This is the EdTech Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. sitting there with a pen and paper. Virtual reality is an interesting medium where students can access a wide range of content. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Market Scale EdTech Podcast. I'm your host today, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the show. We have two pieces of content for you on today's episode, the first of which is a feature interview with Matt Miller, where we're going to go over his themes and what he really took away from FETC 2019. That's obviously the Future of Education Technology Conference 2019 that took place at the end of January. And I'm just going to get his thoughts on what the major themes of the show were. Uh, What did he take away from that conference? What did he walk away with kind of as his big... Um, overarching lessons that he uh, he went home with. So that's going to be the first interview of the day. We're also just going to chat a bit about uh, ed tech in general and putting the student first at the heart of everything. We talk a little bit about uh, the tendency at times for people to put the cart in front of the horse when it comes to technology in education, as people sometimes will look at solving problems in the classroom just by throwing technology at it without really fixing what's at the heart of that issue, and that is the theories of education and really putting the student at the center of that. So that's going to be the first interview of the day. That will be the larger of the two pieces of content on today's episode. The second piece of content on today's show is a portion of an interview uh, that our correspondent at MarketScale, Sean Heath, conducted with Jamie Donnelly from ARVR in edu.com. And they discussed this constant challenge to engage students in specific subject matter and how the innovative side of the equation has really grown when it comes to technology. But I think this dovetails really nicely into some of the themes that I spoke with Matt Miller about earlier, where the focus still has to be on critical thinking for kids. So you can utilize technology in the very various avenues that exist now with technology. But at the heart of it, the goal needs to be to teach kids critical thinking skills and other transferable abilities that will help them moving forward in their education, not just hand them an iPad and let them go for it. So that's going to be the second piece of content on today's show. We do appreciate you listening to this episode very much. Without further ado, let's get to that interview that I conducted with Matt Miller. He's the head textbook ditcher at Ditch That Textbook, and uh, we're going to be discussing the themes that he recognized from FETC 2019. Coming up next here on the Market Scale EdTech Podcast. All right, joining me now on the EdTech Podcast is Matt Miller. He is the head textbook ditcher at Ditch the Textbook. Matt, thank you so much for uh, joining us here on the podcast today, sir. Hey, it's my pleasure. Looking forward to it. I'm really happy to get a chance to talk to you. And uh, you've written two books, Ditch the Textbook, uh, which is about revolutionizing the classroom with innovative innovative teaching and mindset and curriculum and that sort of thing. Uh, and then also Ditch That Homework, which uh, as, a, as a student, I definitely would have been in favor <laughs> of. But we're looking back at the Future of Education Technology Conference 2019 that took place at the end of January in Orlando, Florida. Uh, you're Indiana-based, right? So getting to Orlando mm-hmm. at some point in January had to be a, a pretty nice little uh, little getaway 
there from the from the weather in the Midwest. It was glorious. And we were dealing with the polar vortex at that time. So right. my wife and my kids were at home suffering through like sub-zero temperatures. And they're like, we despise you for being in Florida right now. <laughs> You're taking pictures of palm trees. and uh, I actually did. And I caught a lot life. of flack for it. I believe that. I believe that. Uh, but now that we're on the heels of that conference and we kind of had some time to look back, I uh, wanted to talk to Matt and just get his sense of what some of the major themes of FETC 2019 were. So Matt, just uh, in your opinion, as you look back at the conference, what were some of the major themes and what did you take away from the conference? Yeah, um, I think one one clear theme is that um, a lot of people have their eyes on what the newest you know, gadget and the newest hardware and the newest technology is going to be and how that's going to change things. So, you know, I, I know just from walking through the vendor hall and looking at different booths and interacting with people, there was a lot of focus on, you know, you would see, for instance, on the background of a, of a vendor booth, you would see a classroom where students had like a VR headset on or, um, you know, they were, they were interacting with devices in some way and it was real gadget centric and real, um, sort of like device centric, which was sort of interesting because when you came out of the vendor hall and you went into some of the sessions, actually a lot of the sessions, a lot of it was focused on learning more and less on, the devices and the gadgets. So it was almost like there was there was sort of a dichotomy of sorts between these two. And, um, you know, I think that one of the things that I'm seeing more and more, because I, I go to a lot of these conferences, I'm at, um, I do professional development at schools and school districts all over the United States. And one of the things that I'm starting to see is that in schools, we are kind of turning a corner, I think, on the way that ed tech is used in that, we're not so much looking at what can the technology do, but how can it move the needle for learning? And so now I think we're past that panic point of, oh my goodness, we have all of these devices in our schools. We have no idea how to use them. We don't even know what a, you know, what G Suite is and what it can do for us. Um, you know, and we're moving past that panic point to a degree where now it's like, okay, now we're not so scared of technology as much, let's figure out what it can really do in the classroom. So how can we harness its power to actually help students learn better or learn in more meaningful ways? So I think those those were some of the things that, that were definitely palpable to me at the conference. That's interesting because I can I can definitely imagine a uh, cart in front of the horse scenario when it right. comes to technology in schools where uh, the answer becomes the technology, not how can we actually help students learn with the technology. So the answer becomes iPads, not right. how can we use the tools to effectively communicate uh, teaching methods and, and learning. Yeah. Oh, it, it very much is. You know, I can't tell you how many school districts I've either done training for or I've heard about where the leadership decides that they need to get on board with technology and they need to go one-to-one or they need to invest in a whole bunch of carts of Chromebooks or something. They get them into the schools and then all of a sudden there's no training on it. And so then it just, it's either an extra thing for the teachers to try to figure out or the teachers just don't and they continue to do what they were doing before. And that, that it, basically it all becomes squandered. So yeah, I think that it's definitely a two-pronged approach where yes, you have to have the devices. Yes, you have to have the bandwidth to support it and you have to have the 
you know, the support staff and the tech staff to help troubleshoot. But there's a whole other side to it. And that is the professional development side of it. And that's something that that really helps the whole thing succeed. Because if teachers can see how that technology can amplify this lesson that had been sort of a dud before, mm-hmm. or how it could take a good lesson or a good unit and even take it to new heights, if it can create those experiences for students. And so I think that's something that school districts are wrestling with right now is how do we provide that kind of support, that kind of professional development, those ideas. But I think it's also something that ed tech companies and anybody invested in ed tech should very much have their eyes on because if they're able to see things through the eyes of the teachers that are actually using it and understand the job of those teachers and how their product can help, I think that that's got to go so far in their ability to have success and for teachers to be able to buy in and really for change to happen. I mean, that's the reason that we're all in this, I think, is mm-hmm. we want to see we want to see education improve. We want to see students flourish. We want to see a better future for our world. And we really have the, uh, the potential to do that if we focus on learning first. Is that kind of what makes a show like this so valuable that it's, it's able to get a bunch of different people from different backgrounds and from different places uh, all in the same place to kind of at least in, on some level kind of hear what people are saying? So here's what teachers are saying they need and here's what, uh, you know, technology innovators are bringing to the table and, and kind of get all of those ideas out in one in one location. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it always has. Um, Even before technology was a focus, you know, um, you'd go to conferences that that weren't focused so so heavily on technology. And it was really about those relationships, um, learning from each other, the idea that we're all better together. And so I think that means that, you know, for teachers, they're better whenever they interact with other teachers. You've got, you know, your um, tech coaches and your tech integration specialists and your tech directors, and they're better whenever they interact with each other. But I think vendors are even better. And, um, you know, those that are developing ed tech products are definitely better whenever they get to interact with those people. You know, for instance, um, I have a I have a relationship with ViewSonic, which creates monitors and projectors and interactive touch panels. And um, Mm -hmm. I do presentations in their vendor booth. And um, I was interacting with one of their uh, reps. And he said, you know, whenever a teacher comes into my booth, I know that that probably isn't the decision maker. But I think we can both come away from our interaction together with something positive when I ask them hey, can I get your feedback on this one thing? And then he'll show them a little piece of software they're working on or a new feature on one of their touch panels. And then the teacher's able to say, yes, I would use that and here's why. No, I wouldn't use that and here's why. And then two things happen. Number one, that company gets valuable feedback from somebody who actually would use it. But the teacher also benefits from it because they're heard. And you know, mm. um, you know, in a, in a profession where... You know, they say that that generally teachers around on average for five years before the burnout happens or before the low pay wears on them too much and they end up losing the or leaving the profession. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, teachers are striking all over the the country for better work conditions and better pay. And it's I know that a lot of educators don't feel like they're heard and sometimes don't feel like they're appreciated. And that's one little thing that I think companies can do is to 
interact with them in a positive way where they don't feel like they're being sold. So yeah, to, to circle back to your question, I think that everybody benefits whenever everyone comes together. It's this community. And when we focus on the idea that we're better together, I think that we are. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. And I, I wonder, and this, this is an interesting question, you, you've you spent time as a teacher, that's where you really learned uh, you know, mm-hmm. a lot, I would say, and, and, and mm-hmm. have kind of come up with the different methods that you've uh, written about in your books. But I wonder, uh, because you're you kind of at the time, it comes across as slightly revolutionary, you know, ditch the textbook, ditch the homework. Right. I, I wonder if when you come to a conference like this, if there is a delicate balance to maintain between listening to what teachers have to say as far as feedback goes, but also saying, I hear what you're saying in this regard, but also let's consider some other methods and maybe pushing people outside of their comfort zone. Is that something that happens? I, I think it should to mm-hmm. some extent, yes, um, as long as we're pushing them in a direction that's best for students. You know, I think that that's the thing that we have to keep our focus on throughout this entire process is that if ed tech companies are creating products, if teachers are trying to come up with new teaching ideas, if tech directors are trying to figure out what the best arrangement of devices is in their district, it all comes back to the student and is this best for students? And we have to look at, you know, into the future, what are those skills that that students are going to thrive by using? And it's hard, it's hard to find, it's hard to figure out what those are. I mean, you know, even just five or 10 years ago, if we tried to figure out what the skills were that kids were going to need in today's workforce, I mean, it's it's so hard to to see. But I think that if we are proactively working toward that goal, then I think that, yeah, I think that if that's our goal in the end, then pushing on some stuff that teachers aren't used to doing or mm-hmm. that schools aren't used to doing, or, you know, it's kind of like the, you know, that, that old, uh, quote that everybody attributes to Henry Ford. I'm not sure that he actually really said it, but <laughs> you know, the one about, um, if I asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Um, you know, I think that there's, there's a little bit of truth to that in that if, if we're able to step outside of our current reality and envision what the future is, I think that as long as the good of the students is at the heart of it, then I think, yes, we, we certainly can um, push for some of those controversial things or some of those things that go outside of our comfort zone. Right, right. What's the number one question that you get these days from educators and administrators at conferences like this? Uh, when you're having conversations, what's the thing that you, you think you get asked the most? I think that there's a, there's a wide variety of, of questions that I'll get. Um, a lot of them, I, and I'll, I'll twist your question just a little bit if I'm allowed to. Sure, um, sure. Instead of, instead of the question that they ask, the comment that I get a lot of times on the things that I present about is um, that they, they are very thankful that it's focused on the learning side of things on, um, you know, so often we see presentations and they're so focused on, here's this tool, here are the features that it has, here are some ways that, you know, here are some ways that you can use those features. And we don't always think about, you know, what's the, what's the main learning goal here? How is it going to actually help us to teach and learn in a better way than, if we just did it the traditional way with paper and pencil, because, you know, if you, if you think about it, technology in, in education, it's 
quite an investment for everybody. And right. if the end goal, not so much the end goal, but if the end result ends up looking so much like it did before the technology came in, it's got to make you wonder why in the world are we doing this? Mm-hmm. So I think that the big thing is, um, you know, it keeps going back to, and <laughs> forgive me if I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here, um, it's got to come back to how is this improving learning? How are students getting more out of this than, than what we did before? And so I think that more and more of those questions are coming around are coming around to that. And I think it's something that we've got to keep our eyes on. Yeah. You, you mentioned something earlier that kind of struck a question in me, I, I guess, and kind mm-hmm. of raised, a, raised an issue with me. And that was, um, you said, you know, maybe what students were needing five years ago and what, what they might need to learn five years ago might be different than it is now. And I wonder just with the rate of innovation when it comes to technology these yeah. days, is it is it so fast that it's difficult for the education apparatus to, to keep up? And is, is that apparatus nimble enough to be able to understand uh. where the market is going and, and what students need to learn and what products actually make that make that possible? Tyler, it's good that you noticed that. And, <laughs> you know, that that really is something that I think we've struggled with in schools a lot. I think back to when I was in school and when I first started teaching about 15 years ago. And I remember the classes that would teach you how to use Microsoft Office. Mm-hmm. And they would say, you know, understanding Office and PowerPoint and Excel and um, Access, you know, that all of those skills were important in the workforce. And that might, be, might have been true in that moment. But little did we know that G Suite and Google Docs were going to take the world by storm. Right. And that that was going to sort of start to change and that understanding how to use Office or even really how to use Docs no longer would be a skill that you can put on your resume to impress people. So as, as the world continues to, to change, the question I think we, uh, we, we continually have to ask ourselves is, do we need to teach the, that particular skill? Do we need to teach products? Do we need to teach the tools or do we need to teach our students to be able to adapt to whatever comes their way? And maybe the tool is just the vehicle for teaching that bigger lesson. Hmm. It's, a, it's a very small shift, but I think it's an important one to, to focus on that, you know, just, just like you mentioned, things adapt and change so fast. I remember when I was in college, I was a journalism major before I got into education. And um, one of my, I, I took a class on, um, they called it Intro to Computers and Journalism. And they said, you need to buy this one thing and you need to have it with you because it's an investment of, you know, in technology that is going to help you out when you get out of school. It was an iOmega zip disk. Oh, man. Right? <laughs> and so, I, yeah, I bought it because they told us to, to buy it. And by the time I got out of school, we were starting to get into cloud computing and mm-hmm. nobody had those those drives. And, um, you know, instead of doing that, I think we've got to focus on helping students to learn a new tool, to adapt to it, to figure out how they can use it in their lives. And if we want to use some of the ones that are on the market right now as examples, that's great just as long as we don't focus on them being the end goal. Right. As you mentioned that, it kind of reminds me of 
uh, with uh, with you know Microsoft Office and that sort of thing. Advertising that on your resume is like when you drive past the hotel now and it advertises on their marquee. Uh, we have TVs. It's like, well, yeah, yeah. Every, everybody does. It's it's a prerequisite now, almost. Yeah. Just that uh, it's almost just that you you understand that that people know how to use uh, Microsoft mm-hmm. Word and things along those lines. Right. Um, as we talk about the speed of development and where technology is going, what developments really excite you in the space of edtech? You know, I think what probably excites me the most, and for for some people, their answer might be, um, you know, some of the the new exciting um, devices that are coming out, or the new hardware, or all of that. Um, some people see augmented reality and virtual reality and, you know, all of those things as an exciting new development. And I, I agree to some extent. I think the, the developments that excite me the most are when a product stays on the market and hangs around and continues to improve little by little by little over time. So, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of a trap whenever people ask, what is the new exciting thing in technology? I get that question a lot. Sure. Um, you know, in, in ed tech, what, what is the new app or the new, you know, digital tool that, that everybody's got to know about? And I say, you know, those things, I've, I've seen so many of them come and go and they're just, you know, they just kind of kind of come and go with with the wind, but the ones that that hang around, I think, are the ones that excite me the most. Like, um, for instance, Kahoot. Kahoot is, you know, obviously the the platform that lets students um, lets teachers ask students questions, and they ring in on their devices, and it's kind of like a game show. Um, Kahoot has been around for several years now. It feels like it's been around forever in, you know, in an industry where things come and go off of the on and off the market so fast. Right. Um, but Kahoot has developed a um, has developed a, a separate uh, mobile app, and it continues to add new question types. And uh, they heard from teachers that whenever they whenever someone searched their database for a game, it was always frustrating whenever they would get games that were you know created by students who made them haphazardly and made a bunch of typos. Sometimes teachers would create them like that too. And um, so they heard that and they they created curriculum aligned games that were made either by Kahoot staff or by teachers who they had hired to do it. And so through that, we take this one tool that's been around for a while. And if someone says, hey, what's the big exciting thing going on in ed tech right now? Um, Kahoot probably is not the thing that's gonna make the top of the list only because it's been around for a while. Mm-hmm. But to me, that means it is fil- filling a valuable need and they're continuing to make improvements on it. I think Quizlet is a good example of that. That's the online flashcard platform. And it started out just being like digital three by five cards that you could flip through. Then they made a quiz feature. Then they made some games that came with it. And now they have one of the most, at least to me, one of the most exciting formative assessment tools out there to help students review and to help them check their understanding. Um, It's called Quizlet Live, where it groups students together into groups of three or four, pulls a bunch of cards out of your flashcard deck, and it gives each student a number of those cards. Then it asks a question where only one of them has the right answer. So it has some collaboration built into it. Um, you know, obviously working with your team, there's some communication. Now we're starting to get into those four C's, which are those um, skills that we're really, really trying to push in schools now. And um, 
that's just because it's hung around and it's listened to its its user base. So I think I think um, that may not be the sexy answer. That may not be the exciting answer. But to me, as an educator, you know, as someone who spent time in the classroom and who has worked with a lot of teachers, I know that when you have those robust tools that have hung around that aren't glitchy and that have st- stood the test of time, I get more excited about that than anything. Yeah, and as we've talked about a couple of different times, as long as it's serving the needs of the students, it doesn't have to be the sexy answer. It just has to be the right answer. Yes, yes, that's exactly right. Well, Matt Miller, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast today. I really uh, appreciated that look back at FETC and just getting to chat about uh, the trends and everything. So thank you so much for the time today, and uh, I look forward to speaking again soon. Yeah, my pleasure, Tyler. Thanks. Thank you again to Matt Miller for joining the podcast today and helping me kind of break down what he learned from FETC 2019 and some of the larger themes that he sees in the world of ed tech these days. I certainly appreciated that conversation and his candidness in discussing some of these things with me on the show. Coming up next is that conversation that took place earlier in the year between Sean Heath, our correspondent here at MarketScale, and author, speaker, and educator Jamie Donnelly from ARVRNEDU.com. And they're going to discuss the constant challenge to engage students in specific subject matter and really how more interactive technology can help with that. But more than anything, the way we can teach students to have more critical thinking skills and to think for themselves a little bit more often. So it's an interesting conversation and I think it dovetails nicely into what Matt Miller and I were talking about earlier. So that is coming up next here on the MarketScale EdTech Podcast. As a parent, I've always felt that the greatest thing I could ever do for my children is help make sure that they learn how to think. Uh, I, I am very fond of history. I like dates and facts and skirmishes and, and anecdotes, and I love all of that stuff. It's interesting to me. It adds flavor. But we can't forget that studying history is great, but you have to remember you're actually part of history today. So let's. how do we take the knowledge that's in front of us that we need and learn that? How are these technologies changing the way that professionals in this industry are approaching those challenges as as well as approaching the best way to achieve the goals that they want in order to create a long-term viability for this technology to be able to continue to grow? How do they get out of their own way, I guess, is the question. You know, one of the things, I, I mentioned Dr. Webb, actually, he's in my book too. I did a, a live video stream with him. Um, asking him some questions because this is the, I mean, he knows it. He's a professor out at the University of Alaska and he teaches kids how to code. So he's working with students to prepare them to be developers of this content and um, really working heavily on the VR side. Um, And so he started getting requests from local companies asking Hey, can you make this? Can you make this? We spend an enormous amount of money getting our people trained, but boy, we could really have an opportunity. Go, why? Why are you coming to me? You know, I mean, how about all these other companies that that doesn't exist? There's nobody else out there. We've looked it up. We don't, you know, there's nobody that could do what you're doing right now in the way that we want to specify this. So he started doing some of this, um, actually, to the point where now he's leaving as a professor. 
investor and he's literally starting his own company where he's developing stuff for companies that need training. So one of the people that came and approached him, one of the companies said, look, in Alaska, one of the issues that they have out there, anybody that works outdoors has to be prepared for bear attacks, which not sure where you're at, Sean, I'm in Texas, but um, that's not an issue for us. I I don't see bears, Um, but in Alaska, that is a very real danger for anybody that's that has any type of field that has outdoor has to be outdoors so they spend tons and tons of money sending somebody out there bringing them out there to go and learn how to use a bear spray they bring them out to the woods and okay this is what you're going to do if you see a bear and bring it back inside okay now they're properly prepared to handle a bear attack right well, um, he created a simulation that actually adapted to um, the people that were making decisions. He used the HTC Vive, got people on there, and he said it never fails. Every person that gets on here dies. Every person dies <laughs> from a bear attack. He said, you know, either they freeze out of fear and just can't do anything, or he says he sees people kind of shrivel down or scream. He's even seen people actually run out of the room. The headset goes flying off their head. Um, So it is like extreme, even though you know it's not real. Your brain, your body, everything still reacts. It's, It's really strange. But he said it was they got afraid. Then they moved past that the next time, the next time, the next time. So as they're practicing in this simulation that's obviously adapting to all their decisions, um, then they're learning, okay, this is how I use my bear spray. I've gotten past the, oh, my gosh, there's a bear coming after me, to let me use this bear spray. Oh, I forgot to take off the safety. Oh, oh I've sprayed too early. Now I've really ticked off that bear, and I'm going to die. Oh, I've sprayed too late. You know, So they had to go through this process. Now, are they fully prepared for a bear? I don't know until they see a bear, but I know that they're much more prepared for a bear than they were prior to doing that type of training. So I think our fields are going to demand in many ways, both for safety, for cost efficiency. I mean, uh, really even just being prepared, sufficiently prepared for things that we can't happen in in real life and can't simulate in the real, real world that we can do in these immersive technology fields and, and these resources that we have, I think many of our jobs are going to include these types of experiences. Yeah, that's very important to expand the definition of student uh, and take it away from the traditional K through 12 or college. We all should be students all day, every day. And here's a lesson that I learned quite a long time ago to prepare myself for bear and or shark attacks. Um, don't go where there are bears or sharks. That's just, that's just me. I know it's extremely simple. It's kind of but that's just how I particularly like to pr- uh, protect myself from those particular dangers. But I did learn something today because, as I said, everybody's a student. And I learned that if I want to have a chat with somebody who really knows the ins and outs of AR, VR in the education space, it's you, Jamie Dolan. <laughs> well, no, that's not true. I'm a learner. I There are new things coming out every single day. There, it is quite impossible to ever get everything out there but it is that's what keeps me engaged is it it's always something new it's always something different there's it's fresh it's you know constantly improving so i think that you know you mentioned don't go to where bears and sharks are that's a good that's great 
But sometimes, for instance, I live in an area that has tornadoes, not so much where I live in particular, but in this general area, I live fairly close to Oklahoma. And so this general area will experience tornadoes. And I think even knowing how to react and respond and to learn from tornadoes and what it's capable of doing, how to be protected as much as you can, those types of, you know, AR and VR experiences are out there. And then also uh, a friend of mine, Steve Sato, who's out in California, he is working on a project that he's been working on that he's very passionate about. And think about when we can't be prepared, school shootings. I mean, those types of experiences that are happening in our schools, he's working hard to help prepare our students and our staff on what they're going to do should they encounter something like that. And I think that's so powerful because we're no longer just asking them to just sit there and be in fear. Granted, fear is going to come, but to be somewhat prepared for what this can look like, where to go, how to handle this situation. Um, I think it will help our students and our teachers in order to be prepared for those types of situations. So um, anyways, I, I, you know, sometimes you can't be prepared. Sometimes it's, you live in areas you're exposed to, you know, not sure where you're at. I grew up in California, earthquakes happen, you know, there's going to be natural disasters. There's going to be terrible circumstances that we're going to face, even positive circumstances, even like, Hey, I'm learning to be a public speaker. And there are virtual simulations to get in front of people for interviews for jobs or getting up in front of audiences and speaking and having a chance to practice in those situations prior to going in front of live audience. I think it's just all a benefit to have those experiences prior to the real life ones. Thank you so much to Sean Heath and to Jamie Donnelly for conducting that interview there and for the insight on the show today. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for on this week's episode of the Market Scale EdTech Podcast. Appreciate both guests joining today and for their insight and for uh, them taking time out of their day to join us on the show. We certainly appreciate that very, very much. Uh, we will be back soon with another episode of the Market Scale EdTech Podcast. But until then, if you haven't visited the Market Scale EdTech industry page, I would recommend going and browsing around there. The easiest way to get there is go to marketscale.com, click on industries at the top of the page, scroll down to EdTech, and then click on that. There you should be able to find more videos, more podcasts, more written content along these same lines. And you'll be able to browse around that content as well. Find some more stuff that you like to tide you over until the next episode of the podcast. Of course, you can also subscribe to make sure that you get the latest episode of the podcast directly on your phone, either through iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get podcasts. And if you are a part of a company and you're listening to this and thinking, you know what, I could really use my own podcast to talk about uh, what we do in this space and how we're innovating, uh, MarketScale has that available for you as well. So make sure to get in touch via the website there as well. Like I mentioned, we'll be back soon with another episode of the Market Scale EdTech Podcast. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thank you for listening. <music>